Hello and welcome to the first episode of Figure It, the podcast where we study the facts and the statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I am the director of Sapienta Economics. The figures on everyone's minds these days, of course, are the number of COVID or coronavirus cases on the island. So for this episode, I've invited some fellow data geeks, Rustu Yuchel and Christophoros Christophorou, to talk to you about the numbers on both sides of the island. Now, although we are data geeks, we'll try to keep it light. So we'll try not to cite reams of figures. What we want to focus on is what these figures mean in practice. And since we're in lockdown, we are, of course, talking remotely. So let's hope the sound quality is good enough. Before we start talking about the numbers, um, for those of you who don't know Cyprus, Cyprus is de facto divided between the Greek-speaking southern part of the island, run by the internationally recognised government of the Republic of Cyprus, a member of the EU, and on the other side is the Turkish-speaking northern part of the island, run by the internationally unrecognised Turkish Cypriot administration. In this programme, we're going to try and keep things simple and refer to north and south. So let's start with the basics, um, the numbers on both sides of the island. Then we'll have a look at how Cyprus compares with some of our neighbours and our key tourism markets. So Rustu, let's start with you, because I think northern Cyprus is an interesting case. Tell us how how the cases have been progressing there. Currently, for the last two weeks, there is no new uh, corona case. We are stuck on um, total confirmed with case 108 and mm-hmm. there is no new patient for the last two weeks we are waiting i don't know what will happen yes so so you've gone two weeks with no cases and you've only got 108 cases in total and i think if i remember today there's actually only three active cases because everyone else has either recovered or yeah. there's been a few how many how, how many deaths are we talking about mm-hmm we are waiting for this PCR test results for them. We don't know if it come out as positive or negative. We are waiting. Okay, okay. Talk about the population also. Ah, popular northern side was from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 108, for so how many for, people? Uh, this number is for uh, 400,000 people. This is approximation. We don't know the exact um, population number here, but mm. there is a common understanding that it should be around 400,000 people. So the per, uh, 100,000 people, I think we have 28 patients uh, per 100,000 persons, like that, around. And um, so, Christophoros, how, how are we doing in the south at the moment for the uh, cases? Yeah, according to the figures uh, given by the Ministry of uh, Health, uh, since the first uh, uh, positive case was recorded in, on, uh, if I remember well, it was on the 10th of March, uh, there have been uh, almost 900. Uh, I, say, I say almost because for me, uh, figures have a, a very relative value. And mm. uh, this is uh, uh, almost 900 for uh, about 900,000 people. So yeah. we have here a, a clear uh, <laughs> uh, picture. So this is the case. Uh, uh, it's important also to say that I think that for both sides, 
the start of the recording, uh, the, the day the first uh, uh, cases were recorded was almost the same, one day difference. Yeah, I think, um, and what we've got, so we're down to almost killing off the virus in the north. And, and in the south, um, if I'm not mistaken, we're, we're down to single figures, at least for daily new cases. Isn't that right, Christophe Sorry, I didn't catch you there. That we, we're now at the stage where um, it's in single, almost always, the, the new cases every day are in single figures. Okay, but uh, we, yeah. uh, we cannot say that this uh, will continue or not, and uh, yeah. we should not try to make any forecasts because uh, we don't know. The way the virus is spread uh, is something that... Uh, uh, should make us uncomfortable, uh, reluctant to make any uh, forecast. Okay, the, we can uh, move to uh, other factors that uh, may affect this, uh, which is important yeah. for both sides. Uh, the, uh, it's a critical factor that may help some people to figure out how this will evolve, what will be the the future uh, weeks or uh, days or weeks uh, is that uh, there have been in both in, in both sides a very important number of tests. I think that uh, this is the case for both sides. Maybe more uh, in the by the Ministry of Health of uh, the, uh, here, and uh, this is uh, about sixty-five thousand. So sixty-five thousand for. Uh, 900,000 people means that... I think I've got, I've worked out it's about 73 per thousand people and the north is about 31, something like that. Is that right, Rusty? You are right. Yes, which means that uh, there are very strong possibilities that unless there is something uh, where we have a critical rise of uh, contaminations, uh, the future lies ahead a little bit uh, optimist yeah and this is why uh, why we were all allowed out a little bit more today than uh, yesterday i think the same was in the north too right rustu there was some yes, relaxation yes, yes. so what were you able to do today which you weren't able to do yesterday <laughs> today i was lucky that um, i took my um, daughter to out uh-huh. we ride um, bike together and uh, that, oh, but streets are very full now. I don't know how everything changed so suddenly that people are on streets and the vehicles are on the road and blocking each yeah. other. It's a, it's a little big shock to me. I don't know if this goes like that. I, I didn't miss it. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what I found out today is that um, is that you can get killed crossing the road again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot more, uh, certainly more busy, and uh, yeah. So um, I think you know this is obviously the big question: is um, even if we get get new cases all the way down to zero with the with the gradual lifting that we're getting on both sides, um, obviously both parts of the island have tourism markets where things are rather different. I mean, uh, for the South, the major tourism market is the UK. And for the North, it's obviously Turkey, but I think UK may well be second, right? Um, and this this is where, where the 
where the big question comes is if and when if and when we start opening up for tourists you know the UK is um, way behind when it comes to testing it's got much higher death rates um, and things like that so um, th that that's a big question about you know wh when can you really get back to normal as it were in terms of the economy I don't know if you have any thoughts about that Turkey uh, market for tourism is biggest market for the northern Cyprus. Then people are really, as I understand, especially in um, tourism sector, um, really looking for to open the borders for bring these people back in northern Cyprus. Especially the casinos are really an engine of the economy for them. Yeah. And they are really struggling to um, make their case that there is no danger if we open the um, gates, let's say in two, three months, and everything will be fine. We will market it as the safest place to be here, uh -huh. blah, 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 as you know. <laughs> and But really, it's a struggle between the who are uh, looking for the British people back to Northern Cyprus and who are afraid of the new cases. I don't yeah. know who will win. We will see. So it's a battle between the travel agents and hoteliers and the... Uh... Maybe the healthcare people, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, right. Yeah. Exactly. I, and I noticed, Christopher, was in the south, I don't know, you know, they were saying that they were only going to open small-scale construction and then all of a sudden it was all construction and I wonder if the same thing was going on here on this side, you know. Um, the economic um, pressures uh, might have won out over healthcare ones. I don't know. I'm not... A doctor myself of course so okay there are many uh, factors that uh, make us say that uh, nothing can be as before maybe uh, even in more than one year ahead of us okay because yeah. there are too many factors there are unforeseeable, unforeseeable factors but also the impact of the present crisis uh, is not yet uh, well assessed because the crisis continues okay with regard to tourism for example okay there are a couple of things to say you already talked about origin of the market, the tourism market for Cyprus. It's true that uh, the biggest numbers are from uh, UK, if I'm, I'm right also is Germany and maybe Russia, the three first uh, countries. And uh, okay, here we can say that uh, at the stage we are now, there will be much more effective measures, sufficient uh, ways to test, okay, and uh, take uh, precautions so that uh, uh, there is no a new spread of the virus on the island. And here uh, we have to remind that uh, since we are an, an island, it's normal that uh, the virus came to Cyprus from abroad. Among Turkish Cypriots, it came from Germany, from, and uh, in our case, it came from the UK and, the, and Greece. So, from this point of view, protection, etc., there might be higher degree of protection. With regard to the activity, tourist activity, etc., resuming, there are uh, more, more things to consider or more factors that affect this. The first is 
that people are convinced to travel, uh, then it's uh, how expensive will be to travel, how the <laughs> the air um, liners uh, will do with the present impact on the airliners uh, industry and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, uh, so we don't even know uh, if there'll be any air- airlines to come. <laughs> the number one. Yeah. It's uh, wise or is possible to make any uh, forecast. Maybe here we, I said at the beginning that uh, nothing can be as before, okay, which means two things. One, that it cannot be business as usual. I mean, it's the same way as before, but on the other hand, which is the subject that interests me more, is that many attribute to this crisis to the way business was conducted worldwide, and that if humanity <laughs> is to uh, survive, we have to change our course of life and uh, our way of doing business, economy, and our way of doing politics. And this is an important challenge and the major challenge for all countries. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they think that most of the cases in Italy uh, came from everybody going skiing. And it's interesting linking it to, to environmental concerns. There was, there was a good study done that showed that at the risk of oversimplifying, those of us who have the, the means to travel are the ones causing all of the carbon emissions. <laughs> and, um, you know, I flew twice in March and again in December. So, and I did a lot of traveling last year, not least because my father was sick. But um, I've had friends who say they've got on aeroplanes just to go to, believe it or not, a climate change conference. <laughs> I, th- I think it kind of will be forced on us that, that I mean, there's been some airlines saying they're not expecting things to get back to normal before 2022. Let us and... tell us what he thinks also. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Today, I, I read news that um, Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest investors, sold his all um, stocks for the foreign airline companies. So I think he knows something about it. That yeah. he didn't, uh, he, he, he's not expecting that airline companies will start business as soon as possible. It will take time. So the tourism for us, as you can guess, that it will take time to also get in regular shape. Yeah. We, we will wait and see. I don't know, but I'm not so optimistic. Yeah. It will take time, maybe two years, I don't know. And that's interesting because Warren Buffett is known to be a very successful businessman, a successful investor, and he, he's sitting on a lot of cash. So, But if he's not investing in airlines, then uh, obviously uh, yeah, he's not very confident. You're right that uh, saying all this about tourism and traveling, etc. But uh, as we said before, it's not the only activity that uh, will be affected by the crisis. It's, uh, it's all activities, even even uh, the way we were uh, we have been uh, doing shopping until to na- to, until today, or going out, or etc. etc. Mm-hmm. All these are things that we have to rethink about but the most important that I think the fundamental is uh, uh, the, to the question or uh, about uh, the economy of growth can we continue this 
course of life based on an economy of growth which is uh, done at every cost, uh, every cost uh, on quality of life or intrusion to nature, on, on everything. <laughs> And we saw, for example, in the last couple of years, some statistics says, saying that uh, by the second, I, I think it was two or three years ago, by the second of August of that year, humanity had uh, consumed the produce of the, of the earth for this year, which means that in, eight in less than eight months, we consumed the produce of the year. And uh, this the, this length of time goes smaller and smaller year after year. So mm -hmm. shall we continue with this? And if not, what else to do? There are some to say that, say that uh, there is also to have to give a thought to limiting globalization, turning to uh, local productions. Okay, each society produces as much as possible it can, etc. And think another way of life. So what, what do you think, Rusty? How do you, if, if um, I was having this conversation the other day with a friend saying, if you call it degrowth, no one's going to like it. <laughs> we have to think of a new name for it. But um, how, do you, how do you get there without creating, you know, mass unemployment and populist parties and so on? That's the major question. Uh, if I may uh, interrupt, and uh, sorry, Rustu, just to remind that uh, Arden, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, has already mm -hmm. talked before the virus outbreak, okay, the crisis of the virus outbreak, it was uh, some months ago, she said that we have to rethink this economy of growth uh, principle. I mean, do, do you want to talk a bit, Ristu, about, um, I don't know if, you're in, if you know much about this universal basic income idea, which is supposed to be how you offset it? I, I, I read many articles about it, and recently I am, I am translating one of them for academic person who publishes with, with uh, Professor Ms. Steve Kim, and uh -huh. they asked, that if I can translate in Turkish, who was one of the co-authors, I read, and I am not sure about that universal basic income will solve everything. And yes, it looks like very, what they call this one, uh, new idea, new uh, perspective to looking how things can change with this um, approach. But I'm not so okay with it. I still need some proof that it will make me feel that it's okay. We will see. Yeah, I, I think just to ex just to explain for people who don't know what it is, the the basic idea is that absolutely everyone without con without any conditions gets a basic amount of money that feeds them and preferably houses them as well. And then and this deals with the fact that you can't keep gobbling up resources, like Christophoros says. It, it essentially makes sure everyone is okay in an environment where robots are going to be taking our jobs and we can't keep gobbling up the resources of the planet and so on. My, my only um, slight concern is that it makes us all so dependent on the government, but then, of course, we suddenly have become very dependent on the government in the past few weeks. <laughs> so the, it's the new, let's say, new appreciation of state what the state can do for you, you know, the fact that it's supporting wages and stuff like this. 
we're almost halfway there already. But uh, anyway, so I think we're trying to keep this to about 20 minutes. So I will stop it there. And um, thanks for coming on. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank you.